Yo, what is going on, guys? Welcome to the Life Finance In Between podcast. I'm Eddie Thomas. This is brought to you by Wealth Management Services in Hershey, Pennsylvania. It's been a minute. It's been a minute since I've been on here recording. It's definitely, if you're watching on YouTube, it's definitely been a while since I've done a YouTube part of this. Um, so, trying to set up the camera and the lighting and the mic and trying to make sure stuff looks halfway decent is tough. I keep checking my watch to see if uh, it's still recording because the last thing I want to do is think I'm recording and then not be. But we'll see how it goes. We will see how it goes, really, at the end of the day. So, hope the lighting looks good. It's a little bright. Maybe I'll turn this light off here. Yeah, still, it's good enough, I guess. So, if you're watching so far, you've seen me kind of mess around with the setup. But here we go. Sorry if you're listening. That was clearly a visual thing. But let's dive into it, guys. Let's dive into it. Uh, a lot of news coming out of a lot of companies lately. And uh, the interesting thing, and I don't want to dive into anything too serious today. This is really just, I saw a couple of things I wanted to talk about. I haven't made one of these in a while, so I wanted to be something that I enjoy. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, so there's two things about specific companies, and then there's one thing that's actually going to help us all out as consumers. As we know, we're in this super high inflationary period. Things cost more at the pump, at the, at the store, whatever you name it. Um, so the last bit of news I got is actually really good news towards that. So we'll go through three things today. We'll get through them. We'll wrap it up and we'll be on our way. And until next time, I, I'm, I'm going to try. I've said this a lot of times. I'm going to try to be more consistent. I really am. I really, really am. Um, I'm hopeful this time. It's just tough. It's just really tough, honestly, because the the day-to-day aspect of, of what I do doesn't really require me to to make this content. And it's something I really enjoy doing. Um, I don't love video editing, but I love, I like sitting down and talking and although it doesn't always go super smooth, um, and I'm definitely still getting used to it. It's something I do really enjoy. And I think as I get more used to it and put actual time and effort into it, which I really haven't yet, I think I'll enjoy it that much more. It's just, I got to find the time. And, uh, in this past month, I really haven't between, um, things going on, just traveling or things going on in my life or obviously the market's down again this this past month so it's it's been a a pretty hectic time and like i said the day-to-day doesn't really require me to make this or do this it's just something i enjoy doing so i'm going to try to find more time for it i'm going to try to be more transparent um for you guys listening i i very much so appreciate all the listeners and, and people that that come to this and yeah, just enjoy kind of listening to me ramble on about some things for a while. So without further ado, let's let's jump into it. The first piece of news that I saw come out of this past week, and it's actually funny because this is very much so exactly how I felt when doing when doing this certain activity was Amazon's Lord of the Rings series came out. I think it's called Rings Amazon's uh Rings of Power series came out. It's a Lord of the Rings spin-off. I think it's a prequel. Um, and they launched it on Prime Video. How did it do? Not good. <laughs> Not good at all. So I was watching it with my girlfriend. And disclaimer, I was never really super into the Lord of the Rings movies regardless. I tried watching them over quarantine like a year ago. And I just, man, I just couldn't do it. And I appreciate it. I think it's super cool. I think maybe the books would be more interesting. But... My God, I could not watch the movies. I really couldn't. Again, appreciate it. Whoever does like it, more power to you. Just not my thing. Not my thing. It, it's the first movie, three hours of nothing. 
the second and third movie really isn't a whole lot. It's, I don't know. It's just not for me. But I thought maybe as TV show form, it'd be a little bit better. So sat down, decided, all right, let's give this, let's give this uh, show a go here. Let's, let's see how it is. And so watched the first episode. And it was so much like the movies and how boring I found it. It was actually insane. <laughs> I could not believe it. Um, I didn't know what to expect at all, that like l- really at all. And sitting down for it, I was like, all right, I can. This is gonna be interesting. It's gonna be in show form. It's gonna be a bit more fast paced. They have more time, and more effort. They have a ton of money into this, and I'll dive into all those numbers. So I really thought, okay, this is gonna be something. And I fell asleep during it like three times. And I got, I'd, I'd wake up and I come to, and it'd be boring. I'd fall asleep again. But so after I watched this, I had, I, had, I got to think. I was like, all right, there's no way Amazon would put out something that they know is going to be a failure like this, that they think even there's a, a partial chance at it failing. At least I didn't think. And obviously they didn't put this out to be not good. So I, I got, I dug into it and I kind of wanted to see the review and the fallout from it. Cause I want to know if I was alone, if everyone else liked it a lot, if people loved it, I really wanted to see what was going on there. So, uh, I, I dug into it. I, I Googled what I could researched what I could and uh, the reaction of it is actually hilarious. So I'll jump into the reaction of it while I know I'm not wrong, but then I'll jump into kind of what I thought Amazon's strategy was with this um, and how much money they actually put into this entire thing and do I think it's going to work for them in the long run. But following releasing of this show, which this is the funniest thing to me, was Amazon banned reviewing shows on their platform, Prime Video, for three days after release. There were so many people that went onto the platform and reviewed it poorly that Amazon felt the need to go on there and say, okay, you can't review things for three days until after the release. And I don't know if it's a play to have people actually digest it before they have the gut reaction or if it's legitimately... The reason that, okay, even if it's bad, people aren't going to wait three days to come back and tell us how bad it is. So hopefully we get better reviews because of that. I'm not sure which one it was. But so they put that three-day ban in. Sorry if you heard that. My cat's meowing in the background. Um, They put the three-day ban in. And then I was like, all right, if it was that bad, what are the reviews? And I'm not really surprised to see this, if I'm honest. Um, Of course, Lord of the... I mean, Lord of the Rings is obviously incredibly popular so any sort of show that follows that's gonna have a cool story it's gonna have a lot of fan favorites part of it um and on rotten tomatoes it got an 84 percent okay that's a really good score a lot of times rotten tomatoes those critics in my opinion go for the more uh like story building world building aspect of things and i appreciate that and i get it it's not for me but whatever i get it but the audience score is really what it came down to. The audience score, remember Rotten Tomatoes, 84%. The audience score was 36%. 36% compared to 84 on Rotten Tomatoes. And you look at IMDb and it got a 6.2 out of 10. 25% of the reviews on IMDb were one stars. One star reviews. <laughs> 25% of them. Um, it just had a ton of world building and seeming no point. And again, this isn't like a review of this, but 
I just had to, I had to give the preface of why exactly I'm talking about this because I watched it. I did not like it. And it turns out a lot of people had the same idea. But so what was Amazon trying to do? Also, side note, it had 25 plus, 25 million plus viewers on day one. So a bunch of people were hyped up and wanted to watch this. A bunch of people. Let's dive into the numbers for it, shall we? So what do I think? What I thought the numbers were not exactly at all what they were. They were actually way higher, way higher for the Amazon spent on this. All in on Lord of the Rings and this series, Amazon is $715 million invested in this project. $715 million. From that, $250 million is for the Lord of the Rings like naming rights. So you obviously you have to buy the brand, you have to buy the name to use it as a, as this story goes on. So they bought spent $250 million on that. The next $465 million is from the eight-episode production. $465 million to produce this show over eight episodes. You do the math for what that is per episode. It's pretty high. What I'll say is the show aesthetically is amazing. The worlds they have, the creatures in it, the the people... The battle, like small battle scene, you see all that stuff is amazing. So they knocked it out of the park with the aesthetic of the show, storyline, plot, character development, actual acting left some to be desired, but the actual production was was really really good. So I could see where the four hundred sixty five million comes into play, especially if the next eight episode or seven episodes are down the same kind of alley with the actual production of it. But seven hundred, so there's seven hundred and fifteen million dollars into this. To give you some sort of reference, and I did this myself. I wanted to look at okay, what are competitors spending on their type of content? Obviously, we know Netflix has a huge, huge series. Um, most recently, Stranger Things coming out. That's a massive series for them. Um, HBO Max just dropped House of Dragons, the uh, the prequel to Game of Thrones. I'm watching that, and I love it. So, what are they spending on that? There's a lot of questions. Stranger Things 4 cost $270 million for Netflix all in. House of Dragons costs roughly $200 million all in. I looked up a movie just to see exactly what the most, uh, most pretty much what you're looking at high-end movie-wise. Um, the most popular movie this year is definitely Top Gun Maverick, so I use that number. That's roughly about $170 million to produce all in. Amazon spent, again, $715 million to produce this. And this show, if we're going off episode one, won't even come close to creating the kind of fandom and cult-like fans that you need if you're a streaming platform as Stranger Things 4, as House of Dragons, and obviously Top Gun's a movie, so take that one out of it, but Stranger Things 4 and House of Dragons won't even, in my opinion, won't even come close. So why did Amazon do this? What do I think the strategy is? Do I think they can fix it? Yes, I think they can fix it. Is this uh, this season they might it might be a wash. They might have to bring it back for season two. I don't know. Again, that was episode one. It could get really good, and I could be looking back on this in like three months and looking like a moron. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, but if you compare it so far to Stranger Things and Game of Thrones, again they had prequels that helped them out a lot. But or the House of Dragons, sorry, but they had prequels that helped them out a lot. What I think Amazon was going for in this was they're trying to create that cult-like following behind their 
their Prime Video. When you think Amazon, you don't think Prime Video, you don't think their streaming service whatsoever, and rightfully so. It's really not all that great. When you compare it to the Netflix of the world, the Hulus, the Disney Plus, the Apple TVs, uh, you name them. They're, if you're comparing Amazon's streaming platform to another streaming platform, it's very much so lacking. It's lacking in content, it's lacking in user interface, and it's lacking in subscribers. Obviously, it, that and subscriber growth is going to be inflated because you get it when you have Amazon. Um, what's the wow? The uh, paid subscription for Amazon, you just have it when when you have Amazon Prime. Wow, I cannot think of that for the life of me. When you have Amazon Prime, you get Amazon Video, so you're really never getting a true subscriber count. But I'd venture to believe if they spun it off on Amazon Prime, I mean the Amazon Video side of things, I don't think they'd have many subscribers. Their their platform just doesn't really match up. And you're surely not going to buy Amazon Prime just to get the video aspect of it. So I think buying the Lord of the Rings name and producing this incredibly expensive, well-produced, hopefully popular show was trying to take the first step into coming a real player in the streaming space and competing with the Netflix and competing, competing with the Apple TV and the Hulus. It really was a big step in that. And in the HBO Max. And do I think do I think it's going to work out? It's yet to be seen. Do I think it was a really 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 bold big step forward? I actually think Amazon probably thought they have a really popular name that they know the movies did incredibly well. So the step forward they're taking, yes, it's expensive, but not all that much of a reach because they know they're going to have people that want to watch it. After the first episode and seeing the reactions on that, I have to believe that Amazon's kind of thinking maybe they spent a little too much on doing this. Again, they could save it. Maybe this wasn't the best first step into it. Maybe picks another show. Maybe has something original. I don't know what the answer would have been, but potentially finding themselves in a position where they had a ticket in the Lord of the Rings series and they dropped the ball. We'll see. It's going to be interesting to see how that works out on their streaming platform. It's going to be interesting to see how long-term the show plays and if it pulls anyone into Amazon Prime and Amazon Video. I don't. I personally don't think it will, but we'll see. We'll see. Again, I wasn't a fan, but again, they have a long season. They have more shows they can produce. I think this first big step of trying to become a streaming player, though, was a little bit of a miss. So I had to talk about that after I watched that show. I just had to. Second piece of news, second business we'll go through. The Apple event that just came out. I'm a big Apple fan. I keep checking my watch to see if my iPhone's recording and my Mac's to my left and my iPad in front of me with uh, my notes. So I'm very much so part of the ecosystem. Why am I bringing this up? Well, yearly Apple has this event where they drop the new iPhone, the new AirPods, and they brought the new um, watches into this as well. I'm not someone who buys Apple products every year. If you are, that good good on you. I don't think I don't see the value in buying new ones every single year. My Mac's a number of years old. My phone's a number of years old. My iPod's a number of years old, and my watch is is broken because I dropped it. So again, I'm I'm very much so part of the ecosystem, but I don't really get why people upgrade every year. However, people do, and that's why Apple puts on these events. And they have these new phones year after year after year, new watch year after year, AirPods new year after year. So what is overall their strategy with this event, with their ecosystem? It's very much so to keep people, once you buy an iPhone, it just makes sense to buy AirPods. Once you buy AirPods and iPhone, if you need a laptop, it makes sense to buy a Mac. If you have all three of those and you want a tablet, it just makes sense to buy an iPad. It makes sense. 
and they keep releasing new products. What they came out with this time was the Apple Watch Ultra for like uh, extreme sports athletes. 800, roughly $800. A little expensive, obviously, for a watch. I don't really know how it's going to be received. We'll see. Uh, probably their biggest step into watches yet. But again, if you look at their iPhones, their Apple Watches, and their AirPods, in all three of those categories, they're category leading. If you're an investor in this company, you love that, that they're still innovating. They're still bringing out more. If you're a consumer in this company, maybe you don't love the price tags, but when you want to upgrade, you know it's there. So you love that. Again, price tag is one thing, but availability is another. What Apple is doing is creating a company that as long as they innovate, as long as they stay in front of you, as long as they come out with new products, they're, they're building and they already have built, but they're continuing to build upon themselves as the number one consumer driven company in the world. And they're doing that year after year after year and good luck catching up to their competitors. So again, if you're an investor, you love that. If you are a consumer, you love that. There's a lot of people out there that are anti-Apple and all good. Use Google or Samsung, whatever you want to use. But Apple by far is the best ecosystem. So after watching this yearly review or this yearly event, I decided to look into, okay, what exactly their numbers look like? Honestly, sales-wise, revenue-wise. We're seeing a lot that companies are getting beat up by inflation. Again, beat up by a changing consumer from goods to services. We've talked about this roughly in the like briefly in the past. But we've seen that these companies maybe are gearing up for a downturn and then China shut down. So manufacturing was off. Is, is Apple getting infected by affected by this as an investor, as a, obviously someone who follows these companies, I wanted to know. And I've never really, I didn't really dig into the last quarter report. I'll be honest. I just didn't. In the third quarter in 2022, um, it looks like Apple's revenue was in my second quarter. Let me double check this. In the last quarter, Apple's iPhone re- revenue that they brought in was $40.67 billion, which is up 3% year over year. And then their wearables, so their uh, their AirPods, their watches, was $8 billion, $8.08 billion. That was actually down 7.8%. So up on iPhones, down on wearables. For If you take everything into consideration, wearables, services, iPhones, laptops, everything they have, um, $83 billion profit, $19.4 billion of revenue. They are an incredibly powerful company. They sell a lot of things. Um, this is this is not really a surprise. And if you are an investor, you love these numbers. The wearables is interesting. Uh, and I think they actually came out with new AirPods and they're coming out with the new watches. And I think they're trying to find, they're trying to carve their niche into that. And I think a lot of it comes to price point that they don't have, they're not up year over year. A lot of those things are very discretionary, and once you buy them, you're not renewing. You're not buying new ones every year. So you'll buy AirPods, and four years later, you'll buy a new pair. You'll buy a watch, same thing, four years later or so. So I'm not really surprised that that's down year over year because a lot of the extra expenses that people were buying these just because they had extra money are going to the wayside because, obviously, inflation is taking its toll on consumers. But when iPhone's up over 3% year over year, you're finding that, while yes, they have one branch of their company not doing as well being down the other half the bigger half the biggest half apple has the iphone is doing incredibly well still and i don't see that really changing anytime soon so again if you're an apple 
consumer, if you're an Apple investor, all this event showed you is that they're still staying incredibly innovative. They're still staying on the front end of technology. They're still picking and choosing their spots to upgrade certain things and to make sure they're getting other things right before they bring them to to consumers. Apple's notorious for Samsung coming out with something first and then Apple copying it three to five years later. And that's not because Apple's slow. They know what's on the next, they know the next step. They know the next move. What Apple does is they wait until they can get it perfectly right. I sound like a fanboy right now, but they do. They wait until they get it perfectly right and then they roll it to consumers. And almost always they hit. Almost always. They've definitely had their fails in the past and are going to have their fails in the future. But they wait and they make sure they have something very quality to give you. I'm not saying Samsung doesn't, but Apple just does it in a different type of way. And the patience has paid off incredibly well. And for the company to be doing this well and be down 12% year to date shows you the kind of climate that we're in right now as far as investing goes. Um, A company like Apple is not going anywhere. A company like Apple is going to continue to innovate and sell. And and if anything, this last event showed you that. So to be down 12% along with their other peers that are down as well, it just shows you the climate you're in and you just kind of have to sit tight. When a company like Apple is down that much, you just know it's more macro than micro and things are going to be okay on the other side of it. So into the third point here, and this is the biggest thing for us as consumers and probably the best news we could have had, honestly, at least partly, is, and it's something, actually, before I jump into it, it's something that we never think of. It's, it's as consumers, I mean, we, some people might, but the mass, mass majority of us never, ever think about this as consumers, and it has a massive impact on us, and we've seen how much of an impact it has the past year and a half, especially the last eight months, but freight costs are finally coming down, and they're projected to continue to come down over the next year or so. And okay, why does this matter? Well, when you're at the store and you're anywhere, Target, Walmart, grocery store, whatever, wherever you are, and your thing costs more, whatever you're buying, sometimes that's looped into what that costs that company to get it from point A to point B. So when China produces something and then it gets to the US, they have to pay for obviously the, the, the gas to get it here, the shipping to get it here, and then to put it in front of you. So when the freight itself, the main way it gets from point A to point B, costs more, you're going to spend more as a client, as a customer, because that cost gets passed down to you. And that's what we've seen in the past year, year and a half. The the freight costs to get from point A to point B across oceans, or just from point A to point B in general, has ramped up significantly. Now, we're in a spot where that's starting to come back down. So in the last year, shipping companies have made an incredible profit, turn incredible profits because things cost way more to get. They were benefiting from the extra costs that it took from point A to point B. The reason they were able to charge more is because the demand for ships was higher than the supply that was there. So there wasn't as many ships to get from point A to point B as, as many as we needed. So they're able to charge more because it's a premium now and you're going to pay for that premium. Why is this changing? Why is this reversing? What does this mean for us? Well, it's changing because the supply and demand is starting to shift. Companies like Walmart, Walmart, Target, Costco, uh, pretty much any sort of company you can think of that holds inventory. They overordered inventory, not anticipating a shift of consumers going from 
goods-based to service-based like we've seen in the past year. So they're all holding extra inventory in the in their in their stock. So they're not ordering as much, which means the ships aren't getting as full. There's not as many needed. Secondly, there's going to be a pretty significant influx of ships in the in the seas come next year. Where in the research I was doing, um, new ships are expected to float with a significant increase over the next couple of years. What that's going to look like, I think it's like roughly a 10% increase in ships that are available now or are going to be available in the future, which very much so helps with the supply and demand. Even if the demand of ships needed increases, if the supply is increasing as well, we're going to be in a good spot. So the cost stays relatively stable, might tick up a little bit, but it should stay relatively stable, which is good. For instance, the trip from China to US, as far as the freight cost went, is down 60% year-to-date for that cost. That's a significant decline. Anything down 60% is a significant decline. I think, I think all right now we take gas down 60%. Unfortunately, it's freight cost down 60%. What does this mean as consumers? Why is this such a good thing? This means that we're starting, we're starting to see, we're going to start to see the costs of things that we were buying that was incredibly inflated and still is going through inflation start to come down because the point A to point B is starting to be significantly less expensive for companies. So we're going to start seeing our costs come down as consumers. We're going to start seeing inflation come down because of this. And hopefully as a result, we start to see the market start to take this information as good news and continue to and start to do well here in the, in the later half of this year and going into 23 and 24. But the big thing, like I said, as consumers, is things are going to cost or costs are going to start coming down. Things will cost less over time. Again, this won't be an overnight thing. It's going to be very slow, very subtle, as companies aren't ordering as much, as not as many ships are coming across, and as more ships start to become into the supply of needed ships. So again, won't be overnight. It's something that 99% of us never think about. I didn't think about it until I saw this headline. I was like, yeah, that sounds interesting. Let me research it. And I want to tell you guys about it. And that's why we're here. So I didn't think about it. But here we are. I knew they were kind of up. I didn't know they were that much up. And now we'll, as consumers, we'll start to reap the benefits of those costs coming back down. So again, won't be overnight. It'll take some time. But that's finally some good news for consumers. That inflation is starting to come down. Freight costs are starting to come down. Won't be overnight, but 23, 24, we should be in a, a, a better spot here. So that's uh, that's really it for today. I just want to talk about those uh, couple of things. I saw them and I was kind of scrolling through and thought they'd be interesting to talk about. I haven't been on here in a while and I surely haven't been on YouTube in a while. So I hope you guys have enjoyed it. It won't be this long until the next one. But until then, stay happy, stay healthy, and I'll see you. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA slash SIPC, advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc., Wealth Management Services, and Securities America are separate entities. The opinions and forecasts expressed are those of the author and may not actually come to pass. This information is subject to change at any time based on market and other conditions and should not be construed as a recommendation of any specific security or investment plan. Past performance does not guarantee future results.